welcome to the Professional Carpet Cleaners and Restorers podcast. Your hosts are Phil McGurk and Scott McFadden. The Professional Carpet Cleaners and Restorers podcast is a roundtable discussion designed to bring a number of viewpoints on cleaning, carpet cleaning and restoration related topics together in one place. Behind the scenes. Uh, welcome everybody to the latest episode. This is uh, episode 11 and we're going to be talking to Rick Malloy from MT- MTK Group. So I've got Rick in the office today but unfortunately there's a little bit of uh, construction going on just outside so that might reverberate through but anyway we'll just have a chat and go from there. So I'd like to welcome Rick and let's just uh, get a quick intro of uh, who Rick is and what you bring to the uh, industry and how did, you, how did you get into this industry Rick? Oh, um, well, I come from a building background and uh, I was starting to inspect properties for, um, you know, just damage and stuff like this. And then I got asked to do um, testing a property for methamphetamines. Yeah. Um, which I didn't know what to do. And so I sort of came across that. Um, and then I tried to find a product in, in Australia and it wasn't very good. Uh, this was about three years ago. And um, being a qualified trainer as well. Um, end up finding a product and modifying it and then obviously um, because I'm a trainer to write a course for it. Right. It just came to me. So what, what, was the, what was the first thing you said you come across some products? How did you come across the products? Like I know <laughs> we spoke probably about three years ago. Yeah, that's right. And yeah. um, at that stage I was probably, uh, you know, two, three years into mm. doing methamphetamine but not on the scale that we are now but, um, mm. you know, and... We came and we spoke, and I know you had some great ideas, especially coming from a building background, which yeah, is where right. we could see that we were lacking on was uh, especially what to remove, discard, and what we can clean. Yeah, yeah. So, what what was the what was the stages of um, you know moving from testing to saying we need to get some chemicals, and mm. how did that all come about? Well, it sort of came about, um, you know, like I said, we're looking for a product to test properties. Yeah. Uh, with and uh, we found a product um, based on the north side of Brisbane somewhere, and this guy, a Russian dude, had it, and um, it just wasn't very good. And uh, from there, how did how did you know it wasn't? This is the thing. How did you know it wasn't that good? Like, what was uh Because it was it was ambiguous. Okay. <laughs> it wasn't like what we have today, which is um, electrical flow assay or rapid test. You know, yep. we know it. Um, it was a piece of paper that you wipe a wall with, and you put some fluid on it, and it would come up in different colours depending on right. The, drug that was on the piece of paper but the problem with that is that when you wipe a, a surface with the, with a piece of paper you also pick up dirt okay. and um, other stuff yeah. and you know different colors meant it was for different drugs and the oranges and browns and yellows were quite you know very close so it was never definitive <laughs> you know. right. so then so we just decided to go get another product and we we, we modified it changed it and um How'd you do that? Right, what, of course. What was the process of modifying and changing? Who'd you get to see uh, for that? Well, we, we went through a Chinese company first, and yep. it was very, very difficult. So then we just took it out of China and went, went to the United States and okay. um, modified it that way. And um, now our product in Australia is the only Australian-validated product here. What's that mean? It means that it goes positive at 0.5. Okay. And it... And we know that because it's been validated that it does that here. How, how, uh, so I, I sort of understand how that was done. Explain that. Yeah. How that was done. To so um, well, we went through, um, we actually did ours through University of Queensland, yep. um, who we have a very close relationship with. And so we just worked with some scientists there and um, made modifications and changes and stuff like this and then back into the factory and then um, got it 
we tested, cali- you know, calibrated, retested, and validated. And now, if you look at all our products, it's got stamped, um, validated in Australia on it. Okay, it's the only product in Australia that has that. And look, I I don't disagree with that. So it's yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, look to be uh, straight off the bat. Oh, I haven't used your product yet. I still have product yeah. that I bought and uh, still using. So yeah, yeah. I mean, if you want to throw some my way, I'll definitely test it for you. Yeah, I've got some here. I'll throw it at you now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just joking. So, but uh, I mean, that's the thing with Rick. He uh, he sees a product in the market, and uh, look, I've known you for three years, and in that three years, you've travelled to China, you've travelled yeah. to America, yeah. you've done the hard yards, to put yeah. the yeah, you've put yeah, the effort in, and um, you know you, you're bringing that to the uh, the industry in Australia, which is fantastic. So, yeah. it's a it's a great thing. So, um, so with your testing, what uh, you said you got um, different testing methods. What are the testing methods that you currently have now? Well, it's not us. It's actually, we, we fall back to the guidelines, the yep. Australian guidelines. And we know that there are different methods of testing in Australia. Yep. There's the, obviously there's the rapid testing, yep. uh, which is what, part of the Australian guidelines. And what's that best for? What do you find uh, that in the market? Um, that is for pre-testing properties. Mm-hmm. The Australian National Guidelines says that uh, immunoassays, specifically says with immunoassays, which is right. rapid testing, um, is there for pre-testing properties. In other words, um, if you walk into a property as a property manager or someone who wants to pre-test a property for someone, you can rapid test a property and it'll tell you whether it's whether contamination is there or not right. and whether it's above 0.5 micrograms or not. Yeah, so, so that's le- what rapid testing So is. we'll explain that a little bit too. So rapid testing is that it's you can see it straight away. Yeah, within four minutes. That's so right. We'll yep. rapid test the property and within four minutes being on that property, um, the rapid test will come back and say, yes, this place is contaminated, so now let's do some lab testing. Right, and the 0.5 that you keep going back to, that is the standard in Australia for residential properties? Well, there are no standards here. Okay. There are the guidelines. Guidelines, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, for residential properties, it's 0.5 micrograms yep. in what we call a high-use area. Okay. Which is basically everywhere you live. Yep, yeah. okay. And I know it's different for commercial. Yes. So, so ten, commercial's 10 micrograms. Yes. Um, Low-use residential areas is 2.5 in a residential setting. However, we don't see many areas in a property where we would would, would apply 2.5 micrograms. Maybe under a stairwell, for instance, that could be considered a low-use area. Yep, crawl space, those sort of things. Yeah, crawl space, yeah. Okay, so we've got um, that sort of testing. What um, You've come back and you've done a pre-test and it comes in at over 0.5 yet. What's your next uh, point? So what we'll do then is that uh, we'll lab test a property. Yep, and how so, does that work? Um, okay, so what we it's usually a methanol and isopropyl wipe, and it's wiped within a, a 10 by 10 template. Right. And then put in a vial and sent to the lab, an ARDA-approved lab, and they'll come back and they'll tell you how much is there. Yep. So we use them in, con- in combination. So what we'll do is that we'll rapid test a property, rapid test will say it's, it's positive, then we'll lab test a, this, that same property. Because so rapid testing tells us it's there, yep. Lab testing tells us how much is there. Okay, and what's the difference, let's say, price? Because that's realistically why you're doing the differences. Is yeah. comes down to price. That's right. So price for who? Price for let's just say uh, for the end user or for the person who's actually going to be providing charge being charged for that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Let, let's. I would say the price is. Um, I've got a rental property, yeah. and I suspect, mm. and I'm going to be paying for it. Am I paying for a laboratory? Am I going to just pay for Okay, test. so if you're, just say, you, Phil, you own a rental property yep. here in lovely Logan, <laughs> uh, <laughs> and you want your property tested, yep. so rapid testing sort of sits around that four $500 mark yep. for a whole property. 
Um, and if you had to go to lab testing, if you were to do lab testing in place of, of rapid testing, then you're probably looking close to the fifteen to two thousand, okay. maybe seventeen hundred dollars to do the whole now, thing. Now we did a remediation, and that's for those who want to get into the remediation. Yeah. Do they need to go to laboratory testing, or can they just use those rapid tests for remediation? Look, uh, you know, um, yeah, it's a good question. Some some people, most remediation companies would like to see a lab test report. Yep. And the reason why they'd like to see that is because they can see the levels and they can deal with contamination differently depending on, on the levels of contamination. Yes. And they vary by room. Like, for instance, say this office is contaminated. This room could be 0.7 of a microgram, whereas, um, you know, where your lady is sitting there, it could be like 50 micrograms. Yep. So um, knowing the le- different levels means that you can deal with uh, the contamination in those, different, in those rooms differently if yeah. you cho- choose to. Okay. And what about um, removal of, let's say, materials? Yeah. Would that, would that matter if it's 5 micron or 50 micron? Or yeah. Would it matter with the material itself? Or is that, would you get that out of the lab report or not? Uh, wanting to remove materials. Yeah. Or would that have to be... Like we, yeah, good we're, question. We're doing something else where we go in and do a, a check of the property to determine mm-hmm. that sort of stuff. That doesn't come for the lab, but does it? Uh, you mean, at what level do you want remove to remove yeah. properties? Who makes that decision? Is that okay. you know, is that in the report or not? Yeah, well, that's another good question. That's <laughs> <laughs> um, what you're here for, Rick. I know. Okay, so let me answer that question. <laughs> It's actually quite a complex question because, as you know, uh, his- historically, maybe three years ago, people were ripping out uh, uh, wallboards or you know plasterboard for for no reasons at all. When I say no reason, it's like you know two micrograms, five micrograms, seven micrograms, yes. and they'll remove plasterboard. You know, today it's sort of changed, and that is that that we know that that can be cleaned successfully. So. Yeah, it's sort of a hard one, to, hard one to explain. Sometimes um, in the testing report, especially if it's done by a hygienist, they will give direction on what to do. Okay. Um, but mostly today, I, I see you know there's probably almost no reason to remove plasterboard, especially if the contamination is from smoking yeah. rather than manufacturing. And why would that? What's the difference there? Oh. There's another question: smoking between smoking and yeah. manufacturing that you just brought up. So, okay. explain like <clears throat> to most people that um, they wouldn't understand the difference between smoking and yeah. a laboratory, yeah. and what there could be the difference and the levels that maybe differ, and also the yeah. elements that maybe in there that could differ. What what yeah. are along okay. those lines? Look, from a remediation perspective, um, if you are into cleaning properties, then you know your lab report is. is tell you quite a lot Um, and that is that you know we see the fact is is that most of the contamination in Australia is from smoking in fact we would probably say 90% of it is or even higher higher. yeah I'm just trying to be generous here okay I'd say you know if you were to test 100 properties um, 90% plus will fit in that under 10 microgram range and we know that's that's smoking um, because usually manufacturing is a lot higher but the difference between it is not only the levels, um, sometimes you'll see precursors, which is the pseudoephedrine and ephedrine, which is yep. associated with manufacturing. Um, and the other difference is that um, there are chemicals on the walls as well. Chemicals like sodium hydroxide, phosphorus oxide, hydrochloric acids. 
um, all those chemicals that are used um, in the manufacturing process turns into poisonous gases and then they volatilise and sit on the surfaces and on the walls and it's that that is a problem in Australia. Yeah. Not so much from smoking. Okay. But you've also got your heavy metals as well. So Yeah. Heavy metals. Yeah. Well, they're not that heavy. It's like phosphorus and... Well, you um, might have lead. Yeah, lead. Um, yeah. And, um, um, yeah, lead and that, 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 that sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah. But, that's all, but that's all associated with manufacturing. That manufacturing side, not, yeah. Not with, um, with smoking. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right. Yeah. So there's a lot of information there, Rick, on just yeah, you are. different You've types of uh, yes, different types of testing, isn't yeah, there? Didn't, so it needs me into that. No, no, no. So yeah, it's good. Welcome, welcome, Rick. Oh, thank you. <laughs> so, look, uh, I suppose the next question is: there seems to be a lot of information around. Mm-hmm. Um, how does somebody that's let's say they're cleaning or have a restoration business? Yeah. How would they initiate? Um, going into this industry, into this niche market of either testing mm. or the remediation side? Is it two different markets? Is it combined? Like, What is the first thing, let's say someone rang up and said, hey, Rick, um, I'm looking at going into meth. Mm. What part of it is it, it, it would it be testing first mm. or would you ju- chuck them straight into the remediation side? What would be your... Okay, so, yeah, someone... Well, there are two different courses. Yep. Um, is the testing and the decontamination. We provide both. Um, <clears throat> and we're just about to release an advanced course in methamphetamines, which concentrates on the metals yep. um, and on dust and a few other areas as well. That is uh, that you need to understand uh, the, the the standard testing and the meth- and the remediation course before you do that. But they are different courses, and um, yeah. So the testing is the people who do the testing will normally only do the testing course, but we do sort of recommend you know them to do the remediation course mm-hmm. because they, you know, they get to understand the whole lot. Right. Because we find that um, they'll go test a property, it's, de- it's contaminated, and they say, what do I do now? I say, well, I don't know. <laughs> um, so doing the decontamination side helps them understand the process, um, the costs, um, and then they can understand whether someone's being ripped off or not yeah. um, and say, well, that's not quite right, or they shouldn't be doing that. No, they shouldn't be ripping out drywall at five micrograms. Mm. Um, they can clean that. And this is the process of cleaning. So having the remediation understanding or the theory uh, with the testing is very, very good. On the remediation side, um, people who do the remediation, they do also with us, they also do the testing yeah. um, as well. Although they don't get certified for that, they have to pay for it. Um, but they'll do the whole course um, so that they understand the testing and the remediation. And the reason why we want the remediation people to do the testing as well is because testing is integral for them to understand in order to pass their own property. That's right. Yeah. Um, before they hand off to someone. Yeah. Um, so, we do so explain that. that because that's I think that's a major thing that people miss mm. is testing their own properties before they get it independently tested. Yes. And I'm not sure, but I don't think in Australia it's necessary to get it independently tested yet. No, look, right? it's not. There's no legalities no. around that. There's no standards. There's no law around it. Um, so testing your own property is, as a remediator is very important mm. because the last thing you want to do is hand off a property and you've got to go back and redo it. Absolutely. And we just, do it well, property. we spoke about the costs as well. I suppose 500 up to 2,000 if you fail, you know what I mean? That's so right. they're, they're the hidden costs that people don't mm. really apply to when they're quoting a job as well. That's right. Because, um, yeah, you, you think about if you fail, it might be two rooms that you fail out of a whole house. Yeah. Um, now you have to pay for someone to go back and remove 
1988. That's right. Rapid testing actually is, is good for you. Yeah, that so rapid testing you, is fantastic. Yeah. Um, as a remediator, like we would re- we would um, decontaminate this room, um, and then while we're doing other rooms, we might come back to it in an hour later, yep. an hour and a half when the walls are dry. Um, and if it's not dry, then we'll make sure that the section is dry, yep. and then we'll rapid test it because rapid testing is the remediator's eyes. It will tell you within four minutes whether that surface contamination is gone. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Very important. Oh, I think it's extremely important. So, Absolutely. Um, and, and look, just uh, the, the courses that I've done, I've done I think four different courses now on yeah. the remediation side and only one course on the testing side. Mm. And I believe, personally, without that testing side, mm. the remediating side is just it's half a job mm. because you need to understand where they're testing, why they're testing there, and why they're choosing those surfaces. Mm. Um, and then you need to apply that to your remediation side so your mm. technicians are making sure that those areas are getting done correctly because yeah. it's an invisible thing is what you're doing. You're removing something that's invisible, yeah. uh, and the only way to really test that is to actually ensure that uh, your guys or your, your team members understand that whole process as well. So I think it's integral. That's, so, why, we train, that's why we train the remediators both, yeah. on both steps. Absolutely. I think that's a fantastic mm. way to look at it as well. So so just to reiterate on that side of things, someone getting into thinking they're going to do the mess side, mm. um, it'd be better off to go do the testing side first. Does that give them a good understanding of where it comes from, how it gets to places, airflows, mm. those sorts of things? Is that Would that be sufficient enough to get them to get, say, um, yeah, I think I might do the next stage as the remediation side? Or would you f- say, hey, just come and do the remediation because you get both? Um, what do you think? For someone who's going to do testing or someone who's going to do remediation? Well, that's the thing. They just want to get into, okay. have a look at getting into it. So okay. is one cheaper to do than the other? Yeah. Was the testing side cheaper than yeah, the remediating look, the side? testing is cheaper than the remediation. Not a lot cheaper. We're probably one of the cheapest in Australia. Okay. Um, in fact, I think we are. Is that online or is it in a uh, classroom we setting? We do classroom webinar and online. Right. Uh, not for remediation. No. Uh, the remediation we do um, either webinar yep. or, or face-to-face. But... To answer your question, I mean, we do, they are separate separate skill sets. Yes. Like, um, for instance, for the for the testing side, uh, coming from a building perspective, um, you know, we want to make sure that someone understands um, what to look for, um, they understand reporting, they understand, um, you know, making recommendations. Yeah. So building inspectors are perfect for that. Yeah, I think it's a good add-on to it what they're already add-on. doing. Yeah, yeah because that, that, what they're used to, is inspecting, recommending, and reporting. Right. And because that's their skill set, uh, meth testing is no different. They inspect, recommend, and report. Yeah, and that it all marries up. It marries so, perfectly. Yeah. So with the decontamination side, it's a different, it's a different skill set. Yeah. So most decontamination people that we are happy to train are people that come from the cleaning industry. Yeah. And the reason why is because they know how to clean. Um, we people who don't come from a cleaning background don't really understand cleaning. And we see that from other companies who have decided to train whoever they can mm. to get into the decontamination business just to take their dollars. Right. Um, and they do a terrible job. And the other people that end up stripping out stripping out uh, walls um, and doing things that they shouldn't be doing because they don't understand it. Yeah. Uh, whereas people who come from a cleaning background understand it really, really well and so easy. Whereas the people that don't come from that type of background, and we do get that, yeah. but what we do with them is that we will train them We'll spend more time with them, and then we'll take them on a practical. So those people will come on site, 
whether it be one, two, three or four times because they don't get it the first time, second yeah. or third or fourth time. There's so much involved in terms of decontaminating. Absolutely. Them. So yeah. we take them on site. Yeah, so again, I th- one would be an add-on service. So if you've got a cleaning company and you're looking at maybe getting into it, I think the best thing would be to, um, I would say, do the testing side of things first as an add-on. They, you don't have the extra expenses of all the chemicals and then the equipment you have to buy and that sort of thing as well, so it's a yeah. lot cheaper yeah. um, for a small company to do that. Um, and again, I think for, as I said, either that building inspecting company or um, even someone doing um, home cleans, bond cleans, those sort of things would be, I suppose, fantastic for it as well. So no, They're almost the best guys for it. Absolutely, yeah, because they're already going to these places anyway. Yeah. So let's, on that point of view, how would someone walking into a property say to themselves, I think there may be some sort of contamination here. Is there um, things that you can look out for? Is that part of what you test, uh, what you teach, sorry? Yeah, it is. I mean, um, you know, it's, like you said, it's invisible. Yeah. Sometimes you walk into a property, you won't even tell. Um, sometimes you walk into a property and there's a smell, and, and you can tell sort of that chemical type, you know, smell was in the property the other day, um, and a property manager walked in there and she understood the smell, the smell was, was you know, contaminated methamphetamine smell, that chemical type of smell. Yep. Um, so there's, there, there's an example. Um, but usually, you know, people that are on meth um, sometimes have bang holes in walls and graffiti all over the place. Um, they're not very tidy. You know, they lose track of their lives. Um, so that, that results in the way they live. Um, then there's um, smoking utensils left around the place or yep. there could be chemicals, you know, or, you know, all that sort of stuff. Okay. But there is a differentiation. Um, like I said, there's manufacturing and there's, and there's smoking. And they do look different in, in properties in terms of one could have smoking utensils and the other one could have chemicals associated with cooking. Yeah. Okay, so you mentioned um, a property manager there. Yeah. So have that, has that property manager come to the course or have they been trained by yourself? Or? No, this property manager uh, came over from New Zealand, so she had some experience right. um, in New Zealand. Um, so she understood what, she was, what, was, what, she, what to look for um, and she got it right. Yeah. So so I guess for those cleaners looking at maybe trying to get into it, once you've done the course, maybe that might be the uh, first point of contact is on having some training with your property managers you already speak to because they're seeing the properties with you as well. So it's sort of a yeah. way to get marketing out there for yourself. Yeah. So the other thing then is um, OH&S, walking into these properties. Work, work, work health and safety. Yeah. yeah, yeah, sorry, work health w- and safety. W- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> an environment now too. I think it's got an environment in there yeah, somewhere. So it's changed. But um, so you suspect suspect that there could be. Um, what pre- what precautions should should be taken to these places? Uh, for let's say you've, yeah, let's say you've gone in there. Um, you're going to do a test now. Um, you, you suspect. Yeah. Are you fully garbed up? Your suit from hip to toe to everything else, or you just with masks and gloves? What? What are you sort of uh, seeing with the guidelines? Yeah, okay. Well, look, for testing, I mean, there's no difference really. I mean, we property managers go into properties every single day. Yeah. And we do, we got asked this, you know, a year and a half ago. Um, now that they're familiar with meth or they're, in, they're educated in meth, they felt like uh, it's not safe for me to go into properties. I need to be garbed up. Right. Um, that's not true. Um, they can go into properties as per normal um, and, and test positives. Yeah, like, you know, there's... there's See, methamphetamines is is not volatile. Okay, right. it's not volatile. That's the reason why um, you see those those yellow gas bottles that give out excessive heat. 
Right. Have you seen them on site? No. You haven't seen them on site? No. Oh, okay. Because they need ex- an extraordinary amount of heat to volatize uh, ice and to into a fume so they so they can inhale it. Right. Okay. So going into a normal property like this one, if it's contaminated with methamphetamines, it's it's safe for us to go. It's not. Sorry. <laughs> it's not. It's a zoo. I did. Sorry. <laughs> I did. I just said it. This property. Oh, okay. Sorry. Thank <laughs> you. Yeah, it's not. It's not though. That's right. So. But if you walk onto obviously an active site, which you're not going to, then yeah. the LCP is required. But okay. you know, just inspecting properties, no, just normal. Sometimes you go into properties and you want to be garbed up because it's so filthy and you yeah. want to protect yourself. That's right. Um, and I've been on properties like that. But normally for testing, no, it's absolutely fine. And what about um, skin exposure, rubbing against walls and leaning up against walls when yeah. you're doing it? Well, look, I mean, when you're testing properties, you don't want to touch it anyway. That's right. For cross-contamination. Yeah. Um, you don't want to take it back into your vehicle and yeah, transfer I mean, it and stuff. Yeah, that's right. How do you test vehicles? Is there a way to test vehicles? Is that different to testing properties? Well, the guideline there are no guidelines for vehicles, no. but um, you know, testing vehicles, we just use rapid testing, and, okay. then, and then we just lab test if it's positive and just goes off. So yeah, that, that's what we do. Okay. Yeah. Pretty similar. Yeah. Point five. Yeah. Point five. Well, there's no guidelines around yeah. it. Okay, I mean, but, but yeah, rapid testing two point five. Rapid, rapid testing. We we just use a point five rapid yeah. test and then and lab test it. So those rapid tests, uh, just so people understand, you can get those calibrated to different levels. You can. Yeah. So that's what we're talking about. The point five, so two point five, yeah, ten, whatever. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. So, um, so if anyone's to buy a kit from you, because mm. you've got a website. Yeah. Can they just buy a kit and use it themselves? A homeowner use it themselves, or yeah. do they need testing? Uh, some sort of sorry, not testing. Do they need some sort of training to do it? Is there videos uh, or yeah, education we've got, videos? We've got videos on our website, yeah, um, which is mtkgroup.com.au. Yep. Um, and yeah, anyone can buy our product, but we find that you know most people that buy our product are people that are actually providing a service okay. around this. But yeah, every now and then we get someone who wants to test their own property. Um, so, a little bit earlier, you mentioned you're doing some stuff with the University of Queensland. Yeah, that's right. So exciting, exciting things happening there. What's what's new? What's yeah. going on? Well, you know, we just wanted some research done around this, and um, you know, around the health effects, third-hand exposure. Okay. Um, you know, around methamphetamine contamination in a rental property or in, a, in properties anyway. Right. So, um, you know, we spent quite a bit of time working on this, um, trying to get it off the ground. Um, that research has just gone in um, to get approved uh, because it takes a long time to actually write the scope for right. it, as you can imagine. And it's a collaborative approach with three other universities, um, ourselves, and um, uh, and we've got and, and, and you know a few uh, large property management companies. Okay. Yeah. And what were you looking for? Um, health with someone moving in straight away, long term use, like someone in the house over time. What were you look, actually looking for? Well, we're just trying to see whether people actually do suffer health effects on living in a contaminated property from smoking. Right. Okay, so like I said, we've always made a distinction and MTK Group has always pushed this line. In fact, we were the first and probably still the only one, uh, although we know that people are starting to make uh, uh, you know, a differentiation between the two types of contamination now. That's largely because of our training. Yep. Um so we know that there are people can suffer health effects in living in, in a an ex meth lab because of the chemicals right. that gas off from the walls. Um, but from smoking, it's a little bit different. Okay. So we're just trying to work out: 
do people actually get uh, suffer health effects from living in a, a contaminated property from smoking? And if they do, at what levels do they start getting affected? Okay. Mm. So how, how was that? How did that come about? How did all that testing or how, how did, did you, that research come yeah, about? How, yeah. It sounds yeah. pretty like advanced stuff. Like, yeah. And I think the industry really needs it, to it be quite does. honest. Well, the reason why is because there's a lot of mistruths out there. There's a lot of people saying stuff that isn't true. Right. Um, and, you know, there are companies out there, some of them aren't operating like they used to, um, and um, using the media to push, push this industry along. Um, and we saw that. We saw it wasn't. We saw a lot of stuff that was saying what they were saying wasn't true. So we thought, yeah, you know what? We'll go to one of the most respected organisations um, in Australia, which is University of Queensland, um, because they're a top fifty university in the world, yep. and they're part of the Group of Eight universities in Australia, which is um, the top universities. Universities. So we went to them, and it just so happens that they write the um, Australian Crime Commission report illicit drug use um, it's done here out of the UQ wow. um, so it was perfect um, so we have an association with them and so they were actually wanting to do this um, in conjunction with health departments so it's not just UQ like I said it's a collaboration between three universities health departments and health which is the boss of all the health departments um, another international university ourselves um, and some large property management companies so we're going to get this done, um, and it's independent. So it's not from us. It's actually hands-off approach um, from an, a respected independent organisation. What's going to be the benefit for the remediators, the insurance companies, the homeowners in Australia? What's yeah. Okay, the insurance companies will be big because they're the ones that are getting rorted at the moment. Right? Yeah. You know, some of them now are starting to pay up only for contamination only uh, if it's a meth lab. Right. Okay, so being able to differentiate between whether the contamination is, is from um, manufacture or for use is really important for insurance companies. Um, from uh, a homeowner, um, yeah, uh, from a legislation perspective, um, there is going to be feeding. It will feed into legislation or okay. into the guidelines because because we keyed into that. I mean, you know, I have a direct relationship with with um, some of the people that the guidelines in okay. Australia, um, and so does EQ. Right. Yeah. So are we going to see that push like we did in New Zealand, or um, are we, are we going to start seeing that in Australia, or what What can you yeah. see forecast for the future there? Um, what I can see is that, um, you know, I think we've had, MTK Group has had a good impact in Australia um, in the sense that what happened in New Zealand uh, was a huge mess. Everyone got screwed over. People were just taking the piss over there, and which way? What are you, what are you talking oh, about? You know, just ripping out, ripping properties apart for no reason at all. Um, doing uh, what? Field composite testing, yeah. lab composite testing, and then Expl okay. So this is another. This is another issue. This is another, one. We, this is another issue we come to is this this composite testing. Oh, no. It is the vein of my existence yeah, when it comes look, to me. Well, let's like, spend a bit of time on that, shall we? Yeah, let's, okay. let's, let's, let's explain composite testing. Okay, first of all, there should <laughs> only be two tests. There's only two tests that are stipulated in the national guidelines. Okay, which are? Rapid testing yep. or immunoassay. immunoassay yep. And individual lab, uh, individual sampling or, or you know, Take a test, testing. take it to the lab, not yep. a certified. Not a certified. Not a certified. One test per room or, or per area. Or yep. 10 per square yep. meter floor space per room. That's it. 
So New there was a couple of New Zealand companies that came over here and introduced some other testing. Yeah. The testing that they screwed up New Zealand with, and it was field composite testing, which is rubbing down a whole house with one or a multiple of swabs, sending it into the lab and getting one number on that property. That's right. Okay, so, so let's what? explain that okay. because okay. that's that's where the that's confusion comes. Yeah. So. so number one, that shouldn't be done in Australia. Right. It should never have been done. It's not part of the guidelines. Okay. So what happens there is that if you go wipe down a property where each room might have, say, 0.3 of a microgram. Yes. Um, and you do 10 samples. Let's say you do 10 yes, samples. Now it's gone to three micrograms. And the people yeah. that actually do that don't test in a 10 by 10 template. Right. They will target areas that are high, like plastic, steels, light switches, doors, windows. And they won't test 10 by 10. They'll, they will do 10 times the amount. So the three micrograms will come. Well, the three micrograms could come back at fifty micrograms. Yeah. Fail the whole property. Okay. Okay. Let's let's break this down because this is this is, your th problem. This is where it becomes interesting. Mm. Um, and, and look, we're not going to name names. We're going to do anything like that. Yeah. But let's just say we've our business has had this problem in the past where. Um, and you're talking about different surfaces, aluminium, yeah, like plastics. windows, plastics. Yeah. Hot, hot to cold surfaces back, yeah. hot and cold. They all react differently. Mm. Um, and my, um, uh, my feeling on these are high touch points, medium touch points, low touch points. Mm. And then you look at airflow and you also look at um, levels where children or the immune will be constantly touching is my thought on mm. where we should be testing. Mm. And what these companies were doing were not only were they doing those areas, they were doing areas that on top of covers. Uh, they were doing vents. They were doing and doorways. Yeah, doorways. All these things that vents, yeah, yeah, right. yeah, yes, yeah. There, there's obviously a chance of that, but now we're contributing in this to the entire house. Yeah. Instead of saying, okay, well, that room mm -hmm. is most likely affected at yeah. these levels. They're now saying it's across the board. Yeah. And that's what this composite testing is doing, mm. and that's where the issues have become. Field composite. Yeah, field composite. So, again, in my um, own world, we had a uh, property that we deemed at the start of the job uh, areas of concern, which we explained up front. Um, and these were areas from hot and cold, mm. window ledges with multiple uh, acrylic paint mm. levels. So three levels of acrylic paint. Enamel or acrylic? Uh, sorry, enamel paint, yeah. my mistake. Enamel paint. And... Um, we identified those up front and part of our remediation plan was to go over these areas more times, mm. clean them down more times and test. Mm. Um, and anyway, at the end of the job, uh, our guys went through, did the remediation, did our post-testing and then the lab come back and they found two spots on two windowsills in two different areas. Mm. The owners then gone and got an independent test done who someone's done a composite testing through the property mm. and found the whole house come back the insurance company didn't understand the difference they're yep. coming back to say to us what are you doing blah 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 and we're trying to explain to them now that's what they've done yeah and they've scared the owner mm. trying to get that job as a redo mm. so then we had to spend more money to go get more testing or more areas to say no mm. these are the two areas so again this is a major issue for me mm. um I think it's a major issue in the in the industry right now, not the insurance industry, but in the industry. Um, and I know, as you said, there was a 
big problem with properties over in New Zealand. Mm. Um, and I think it was more housing commission homes, I, th- I just believe. Housing just housing all over. Housing yeah, all over. Yep. Yeah. They just applied the same principles um, to all the houses. Yeah. But it was the housing, it was the government housing that picked it up and decided, you know what, enough is enough. You're not going to take another $50 million off us this right. financial year. Okay. And is that, do you think, is that is why it's... Um, hasn't come to Australia yet because I know we do follow like Western Australia is normally leads everything in Australia. Yeah, it does. Um, do, you, do you think it's uh, they haven't, you know, brought that process forward because of these things that happen in New Zealand or New well, Australia or Western Australia or someone, like anyone in Australia mm-hmm. to bring like mandatory testing, like council, yeah. like ca- council clearances on properties before you. Buy, sell, lease, you know, that's sort of because stuff. there's no because the issues with smoking contamination really is actually not that great. If you ever look at the in health guidelines, um, in health guidelines, two thousand seventeen, you'll see that there's a there's a table in there, and it ra- it has a risk it's a risk rating table. Right. It rates it rates uh, X meth labs or meth labs that are unremediated at high at level five one five being the highest one being the lowest. Right. Um, smoke houses are different. In health has rated them at two to three. Okay, so um, and this is also unremediated. So there's a clear distinction between the risks associated with the occupants of these types of properties. So because it's not a, it's not that risky, then yeah, we're not going to make it mandatory man, mandatory testing. It okay, so you so you're saying not that risky, but what is that taking into consideration when they say? Not that risky. Well, you have to go read the document, but um, it's saying that based, this document says that um, meth labs, because of the chemicals that are associated so with labs, manufacturing, manufacturing labs, yep, that is where the most risk is for the occupants of the property. Right. So for smoking contamination, it is a magnitude lower, um, you know, two to three as opposed to five. Mm. So um, that's that's a document out there in the public domain in health. Okay, so I think that might be another podcast idea. There's another podcast. Yeah. We can actually drill down on that and have a good Absolutely. Look at I think that so might be something we can do. So, so, yeah. I have to jot that down. Yeah. Remind me of that one. Yeah, I will remind <laughs> you. So, in terms of legislating and make it mandatory, it doesn't make sense to, to, to make, make it mandatory because are you hearing people getting um, health effects from... Well, this is the thing, health? like what testing has been done, like even, even to the point of... Well, I do. I actually get affected walking into a property mm. and I think it's because of my exposure to chemicals okay. through my industry yeah. that I get affected. Same with mould. Yeah. I get affected in a property and I can feel it within the first couple of minutes. Okay. So it's going to be different for everybody. Yes, it's for everyone. Yeah. Some properties I do feel uh, I can it does affect me. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, if there's chemical smells. Where there is no chemicals, it doesn't. There are properties going to who don't even know there's meth contamination until I've actually done it, uh, done the tests. Yeah, it doesn't bother me. There's not too many that I've been in that have come back positive, that I haven't felt some sort of adverse. Really? Absolutely, one hundred percent. Do you have allergies? Uh, no. Anaphylactic. No. 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 Oh, that's okay. So, so for me, it's um, like I get an earache. Mm-hmm. Uh, I get uh, between uh, under my right eye goes really. Achy, yeah. get a headache, okay. uh, and then yeah, that'll last for an hour or two afterwards as well. Yeah. So, 
Um, and again, for me in the industry, it's great because I look at it as, oh, there's a chance to make money here. So, but again, it's, um, I just want to know if there's testing done on properties that have been remediated. Is there testing done three months, six months, 12 months, 24 months? That would be me towards finding out if there's a, an issue is going back and retesting those areas and I think you're doing it with the Queensland University is that right you're doing something yep. along those lines we're doing some longitudinal studies on uh, encapsulated materials okay um, so yeah we'll be doing that we might as well also do it for materials that have been remediated um, as well what's what's what are you talking about encapsulated materials what are we oh well you know as part of the national guidelines um, encapsulation is part of the remediation process right did you know that did you know that no no didn't know that no. No, one's, no one gets to speak about it. Do you know the reason why they don't speak about it? Because it makes remediation cheaper um, and easier, so people don't speak about it. But if you have a look at the national guidelines, it says that there's a hierarchical approach to remediation. Yep. could be like um, ventilation. Yes. Then well, ventilation's always first. That's right. So Ventilation, yeah. then HEPA vacuum. Yep. Right? Then um, maybe detergent washing. Yep. washing. Then as the contamination gets higher... Uh, then it'll be specialised chemical washing, and then after that is um, encapsulation, then after that will be rem- uh, stripping of materials, um, and then after that will be demolition. So that is the hierarchical approach. And what's that in? What what um, legislation is that in? It's the Australian National Guidelines. Australian National Guidelines. Yeah, but I've got a beautiful... I'll send you something that yeah. is um, that actually demonstrates this really, really well. So we apply the hierarchical approach to to uh, remediation of a of, of, of properties, and um, we actually teach it as well. Right, and we're probably the only company in Australia that would probably do that. Because well, like you said, you haven't heard of it before. No, I've done four courses right. and never even heard of it. No, and of so. the things I've spoken about, you haven't heard of. That's right. It's because people only teach what they want to teach in order to push the industry along and make a lot of money. But it also undoes, if you don't follow, you know, the Australian National Guidelines are there for a reason. It's there to tell us how to do it, and it's also there to protect to protect the consumer. Right. Okay? Now, if you're stripping out, if someone teaches you to strip out wall linings, you're no longer protecting the consumer because you're creating unnecessary cost or a lot of cost. Encapsulation is a necessary part of remediation. We see that. Um, it works really, really well. Um, we've done it many times, and um, so, yeah. Teacher, excellent. That's, I mean, that there is gold right there. Yeah, that's so. right. It's something else we probably need to have a yeah. need to talk about. Absolutely, no, because, because that would be another podcast on its own. Absolutely, I mean, that's fantastic. So, yeah. and again, once you once you actually have a look at those hierarchies, it's the same with anything. You know, it's uh, a hierarchical approach. Absolutely, it, it's so. part of whatever we do. Absolutely, yeah. you so. don't go straight to strip out. No, absolutely Whereas, not. But a lot of people so. have been taught that. Yeah. You know, it's like. And whatever, just strip it out. Yeah, and I guess uh, it comes back down to like, um, uh, you know, the first one I did was on the California guidelines because they seem to be they were the first to put something together. I think they were those and uh, maybe um, was it Texas or something like that, yes, or Louisiana yeah, or something like that. Yeah, so they put out the first, and I guess it was um, you know trial and error and see what's out there. And let's so things are evolving, mm. and as more laboratory testing's getting done, more um, you know, research and development's getting done, the chemicals are getting better, mm. the machinery's getting better. Um, I remember when I first started, we used to flood the houses with a chemical and leave it in there for four hours and, you know, create secondary damage. Like, 
we hardly create any secondary damage now. We don't either. So, you know, it's just everything is changing and evolving, and I think it's the right steps. It's um, the education process. Absolutely. Though. You know, people educate, taught people, I don't know, incorrectly. I don't know why, but um, people... Well, that may have been what was available at the time. So I, I don't know. I mean, I still don't understand why people would have chemicals on walls for hours. Yeah. Our chemicals are on the walls for 15 minutes, 15, 20 minutes. Yeah. Probably. Again, that's going to come down, just to let everyone know, that's not going to come down to our personal opinion. That's going to come down from um, from the SDS sheet or what the manufacturers that's advise. Right. So, and the type of chemical. That's right. So so talking about that, uh, you talk about soaps, soap and water, chemical. Um, yeah. What are you finding better in the market now? Is it just low-level soap and water still? You oh, still look. finding that the, the best way? Um, well, no. You know, I was saying, saying to you about 20 minutes ago, um, you do lab, t- lab testing is actually good for remediators because they get different levels from different rooms and they know how to, they yeah. know how to address each room. Um, you know, we were at a property um, on, um, on the Gold Coast not so long ago, in, in Cooma actually, and um, the hallways were maybe 0.8, the garage was 0.7, uh, the bedroom was 5, um, can't remember what the others were, 1s and something. So we used a industrial strength sugar soap yep. um, for all those other areas under one microfilm. And actually it foams now, foma, because we have a foma. Yep. So we just put it and it foamed on the walls and so it can stay there, as you know, because foaming gives you more dwell time. Mm-hmm. So it just stays on the wall and it scrubs and you scrub the wall and you know, remove it. It works well. So in the higher areas you might use a part A, part B, um, you know, hydrogen peroxide and alkaline mix um, because it's a little bit more abrasive and methamphetamine chemicals so yeah we see a combination of both is good um, and in fact in low level contamination if it's you know the whole house is contaminated it's maybe round one you could use industrial strength sugar soap yeah foam it um, because you've got the dwell time um, and it's when you're doing sugar soap and like this which a product is called um, it's our bunnings um, triclinium is the product if you use in triclinium out of Bunnings, then because it's sugar soap, very little PPE is required. Right. And there is no gas off. Okay. So, so um, it can be reoccupied probably that day if yep. you really wanted to. Um, whereas if you're using, you know, part A, part Bs, um, you know, you will get residual gas, hydrogen, um, that will need to dip, uh, dissipate and sometimes it takes up to 14 days for right. it to disappear. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, Have you given good information here? No, you're giving me heaps of information, man. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I'm training you. <laughs> so what else we got here? Let's have a look. Um, so uh, just things to consider, I suppose, um, when looking at this. So I was having a look at your website. Yeah. Just having a look at some of the things you've got for sale. Yeah. Okay, so you've got your field testing kits. Yep, the only validated ones in Australia, the rapid yep. tests. Okay, Australian validated. Um, we're very proud of that. Yep. And you get uh, 10 tests in each kit? Uh, you can buy them in 10 packs, 25 packs, or even a 100 pack. Right. And they, at a 100 pack, they end up being like $9 okay. each. Um, that's $7, even cheaper. Yeah, okay. Um, you've got your uh, VOC testing kit? Oh, uh, we've got a VOC analyzer. Yeah. It's not a testing kit. It's actually... Uh, it's Just an analyzer? It analyzes um, volatile organic compounds in, in the air. Yep. So um, just, yeah. We bought that out for government because government... Some government departments were a little bit, oh, you know, we can't send our guys in there because it's dangerous. So, yes, yeah, so, okay. 
So, but we never sold any of them anyway because the government's not too worried about what, it. What um, what levels are you looking at? When what are they? Um, over a certain level, you can't go into, or I mean, look, like like I said, um, there is no there is no um, guidelines or standards on contaminated air in a property at this point in time. Okay, there used to be, but they got discarded. Um, and I did actually, I just saw that last over the weekend actually. So so, um, but look, like I said, you know, if you're going into a normal property and there's no active meth lab there, it's not going to be a problem for you. Okay. Um, laboratory testing and how to read a report, we've gone through a little bit about that. Yeah. Do you do a lot more of that in your um, training courses? You yeah, we do. Uh, our, training course, our training course is very, uh, we go into a lot of detail in the different types of testing. Right. We explain very well. Um, uh, you know, NEOSH 9111 wipe sampling, the individual test, which is what you should be doing. We're also going to detail uh, field composite testing, just so people are aware of why they're so bad um, and why they shouldn't shouldn't be done, yep. um, because they're not part of the Australian guidelines, number one. And we're also going to do a lot more detail on lab composite testing uh, and how, how the laboratory actually calculates mathematically uh, the actual contamination level lab composites are not are no different from field composites except the composite is done in the laboratory right okay so we do cover all that in a lot of detail in the course what uh, how long is the course what for let's say the the testing course opposed to the remediation course uh six six hours for testing yep uh, we do get a lot through we obviously do cover a lot they do get a good a detailed manual with that um you know we do you know uh, go through a lot of stuff actually um and the remediation is a full day a full day, yep. So after they've done, let's say they've done their testing, is there any field testing that you provide for people? Is that part of what you we can do, offer? Um, yeah, we do can take people. Um, usually the testing is pretty self-explanatory. It's not hard to test a property. Hmm. It's just understanding the reporting and stuff like that, which we do handheld hold people's hands on that. Okay. Don't you have an app? Do you have an app yeah, for that? Yeah, yeah. And we're still further, further developing that for reporting. For okay. The decontamination, uh, like I said, there's, we like people who have come from a cleaning background because it's easy, they understand it. Um, they know how to clean a property. It's really just about the chemical, how to apply it and how long the dwell time and the different, uh, the different um, machines that they require yep. around it. For the people that don't come from, from a cleaning background, then it's those people that we take on a practical. Okay. Sometimes two or three times. Um, what's we've got in here? Just have a quick read here. Um, and we do go across the lab reports too and help them read it so they yes. understand the lab reports. Okay. Look, mate, I think we've actually covered a lot. The only other thing I'd sort of like to bring up is um, let, let's have a look at some tricky situations. Yeah. Let's say if they've got wallpaper. Let's say they've got exposed timber, things that are of high pressity. The other one is uh, chipboard laminate, that sort of stuff on yeah. cabinetry. Okay, we'll cover all that. There's one thing that you did raise before. You had some issues with someone's coming in and just doing composite testing on yeah. you. I want to drill down on that a little bit more um, because we had an issue like that as well. Um, we did we, we decontaminated a property in, in, um, in, in Sydney um, and um, a hygienist came out from independent from us and uh, had to test, test, the, test the property, pass it for us. 
So as you know, we test the reason why we, t- why do we test each room individually? Why do we do that? Do you know that? Why do we do that? Why do we teach each, test each room individually? Right. So we get a number for each room, right? right? So in this room, this person tested a comp- did a composite test that had been decontaminated. He was going to test a windowsill and a wall. And um, wasn't happy with that because the national guidelines says, um, you know, two things. Well, we isolate rooms, right? right? So we know if contamination is per room. But we also isolate building materials so that he could have failed the whole room. Uh, it might be 0.7, but he didn't isolate the, the materials. So if he, I said to him, look, either you test the wall material, you either test the plasterboard or you test the windowsill. Okay, yeah, and he did it. And the reason why you have to do that is because if the windowsill is contaminated, then I can deal with that. Mm. And if the wall's not contaminated, I don't have to do the wall. So testing them together as a composite was problematic. Right. You understand? That's what you're saying now, yeah. So um, he tested, it was all fine anyway. Okay. So we, t- we isolate materials. Okay, we're talking about composite testing now. Yeah, that's okay, right. right. Isolate yeah. materials like we isolate rooms. Yes, okay. Okay. Gotcha now. Yeah. Um, Sorry, there was a question now? Yeah, so just. Um, those those uh, different materials that are more absorbent. Yeah. Okay. So different materials. Um, yeah. So, like, yeah, timber. Timber is is a problem. This is where you can clean and clean and clean, and this is where encapsulation yeah. becomes your best friend. Right. Um, like you know, because contamination can get into the paint because it's water based paint. So you know you can clean it all the way back to plasterboard mm. because you know you clean it once. That's five micrograms, and we did this. Five micrograms, we got down to 1.1. Um, cleaned it again, didn't get any lower than 1.1, got maybe one. Um, and so no matter how much more cleaning, the window you know, would right. it. So that's where we're encapsulated. Same as um, window surrounds. You mentioned it's enamel paint, and mm. it's true. Enamel paint is, can be, you think it's easy, but it's not that easy sometimes. Yes. It's like we did this job, 44 micrograms on a windowsill. So we thought, you know, this is going to be easy. Because it's, it's a hard surface. Yeah. So we sprayed it with this part A, part B, let it sit for a while, just scrubbed it a little bit, wiped it off, did it again. You know, We just wanted to test to see how easy it was, yep. run, run, a, run a lab test. I think we got it down pretty easily, down to maybe one microgram or something. But to get it below that, we knew it would have been difficult. So then we encapsulated that. So you could either encapsulate it um, or remove it and replace it. They're your options. So let's talk about encapsulating on high uh, wear areas. High what? Wear areas. Yeah, high wear. Okay. Yeah, let's say it's a yeah. countertop or something like that. A countertop. And countertop, uh, like, like what? Let's say it's a countertop with chipboard, but it's got a laminate top. The laminate yeah. tops come off, yeah. expose chipboard. We replace that. Okay, yeah. we're on the same page there. Okay. Yeah, we have to replace that. Yeah. And, um, that was the same as in this, in this instance in the same property. Yeah. We couldn't clean this. So there is still instances where you may rip out yeah. to replace, yeah. but they're getting less and less. Plasterboard. Yeah, it's getting less and less because yeah. the, technology, the technology is really good with, with proper smart primers encapsulation. It's really good. Okay. So if, and the guidelines allow you to use it. So use it, yep. especially for smoke, smoke contamination. Yes. You know, chemicals are a little bit different, and we, we deal with that differently. So. Okay. Well, mate, we're going to have to round it up. But okay, sorry. Some absolute nuggets of gold in there. We could probably talk we, about we, 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 Look, myself and Rick, we've had a cup of coffee or a beer. Yeah. We spoke for hours before, so we could keep this going. But 
Time's up, unfortunately. If you want to have any more information, guys, uh, you can reach out to Rick. All these details will be on there, but uh, give us a shout-out, mate. How can they get in contact with you? Uh, they can just uh, rick at m for Mary, t for Tommy, k for kilo, mtkgroup.com.au is, is, or 0477 All right, guys. Thank you very much, everybody. And until uh, the next one. By assessing this podcast, I acknowledge that the Professional Carpet Cleaners and Restorers podcast makes no warranty, guarantee, or representation as to the accuracy or sufficiency of the information featured in this podcast. The information, opinions, and recommendations presented in this podcast are for general information only, and any reliance on the information provided in this podcast is done at your own risk. This podcast should not be considered professional advice. Unless specifically stated otherwise, the Professional Carpet Cleaners and Restorers podcast does not endorse, approve, recommend, or certify any information, product, process, or surface, or organization presented or mentioned in this podcast. And information from this podcast should not be referenced in any way to imply such approval or endorsement. The third-party materials or content of any third-party site referenced in these podcasts do not necessarily reflect the opinions, standards, or policies of the Professional Carpet Cleaners and Restorers podcast. The Professional Carpet Cleaners and Restorers podcast assumes no responsibility or liability for the accuracy or completeness of the content contained in third-party materials or on third-party sites referenced in this podcast, or the compliance with applicable laws of such materials and all links referenced herein. Moreover, the Professional Carpet Cleaners and Restorers podcast makes no warranty that this podcast or the server that makes it available is free of viruses, worms, or other elemental codes that manifest contaminating or destructing uh, properties. The Professional Carpet Cleaners and Restorers podcast expressly disclaims any and all liability or responsibility for any direct, indirect, incidental, special, consequential, or other damages arising of any individual's use of, reference to, reliance on, or inability to use this podcast or the information presented in this podcast.